everybody. Welcome to Culture Surfing. This is Lance Robertson. Um, I'm happy to announce that uh, we have some life in these NBA finals. I'm here along with uh, Noe Araniva, of course, as always. And uh, let's just say we're excited to get into this. Uh, so off the bat, we're just going to do a little bit of recap because it's been you know a week and we've already had three games. Uh, first game looked really close in the first quarter. Uh, Heat were up by as much as uh, 12 points, and that quickly disappeared by the end of the quarter. The Lakers went up by three after being down 12, um, and Drogic uh, had went down. Uh, and, you know, we didn't really know what it was. We didn't even know that he left. Uh, it just when the second half started, he was nowhere to be found, uh, and people were just literally asking, where's Drogic, where's Drogic? And then it just came out, I believe it was uh, a, a leg or foot. That's all they said at first. And then to pile on, bam, and the third quarter goes out. Um, at first, I thought it was his shoulder because he was kind of, you know, flexing his shoulder. Turns out it was his neck. And shortly after that, I mean, the Lakers made light work of the Miami Heat. I mean, it was demoralizing, and I'm not even a Heat fan at all. And I, I just... I felt the momentum that this whole bubble process created. It was deflated in that one game. Uh, game two, for the most part, it was all Lakers. Miami kind of made it interesting in the fourth quarter, but it, it was kind of like a fake comeback, if you will. In game three, Noe, as what we will be called, or what we will call the Jimmy Butler game. I mean, for anyone that was saying he's overrated, or he's not that great, or Philly was right to not pay him off from the extra year. I mean, to me, that's vindication. He was the best player in the NBA Finals game where AD and LeBron James played. Um, so, Noe, just going over all that, what are your thoughts on this series so far? And so I guess for starters, we'll start with the injury report, right? So, um, Drogage, uh, he's officially listed as out with a torn plantar fascia so that's if i'm not mistaken that's uh requires surgical repair and there's no way he comes back anytime soon matter of fact he probably depending on whenever the beginning of next season is probably gonna miss some time next season wherever he lands because obviously he's also looking for a contract so that's that with dragage which is a big loss for heat for the heat especially the way he's been playing coming up into this series and then with bam uh, he is on our next next strain officially, and he's actually, per CBS Sports, hopeful to play game four. So I guess we'll put him as questionable for now, right? Yeah, that's safe to say. So that's that's that. That's um, that's because that's the reason why I want to start there is because that's kind of what's defined the series. I I had the Lakers winning this in six, so I you know I I did feel like the Lakers were favored. I did feel like it, you know, it wouldn't go seven. That said, I didn't, you know, the injuries make it to where it shouldn't even be competitive. Um, and it is, as an NBA fan, it, you know, especially the way that the content has been leading up to the series, you know, it feels like we're being like we're being robbed of a, at least decent series, you know. Uh, and then it's, especially coming after the way that last year's finals went, it feels like we're just being robbed back to back finals of you know what should be a decent show just because of injuries and now with the bubble play and the way that 
you know, the schedule has been really tight. You know, it, this kind of makes a little sense, I suppose. You know, maybe this is the price you pay. Um, but neither of the two teams really played really, really crazy tight series leading up to this. But, you know, maybe it's just maybe it's just the side effects of that, first of all. Just to put that note on the, on the side there. As far as what's left of the series, um, I... Man, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm gonna stick with what I called. I'm gonna stick with the Lakers in six. I, I really after after Bam and Dragic went down, I thought that was it. You know, I was like, man, you know what? Maybe the Heat go out and get one and make it a gentleman sweep. And then Game Three came out, and I feel like you know maybe that was the one. But now that Bam is hopeful, you know maybe there's maybe maybe what the Lakers did last night was open the door for the Heat to to make a series out of it you know it's still it's we're still only three games into this this is still the nba finals and as jimmy butler went on improved last night miami heat are not about to lay down for the rest of the series they are gonna fight for it and jimmy is not afraid to put his body on the line he's not afraid to play all the minutes if he has to and last night he proved that he can do it and he can do it effectively yeah and uh so i have a fun stat for you guess how many three-pointers jimmy butler made Last night, I actually know the answer. Um, he took none. Yeah, and he scored forty points. He made none, but that's rare. Yeah, that's rare. It's a lost art, isn't it? And I mean, as much as I would love to see him take threes, I mean that's his game—is mid-range driving. And I mean, it's not like he can't shoot, but that's just not his game, and he's not forcing the issue. And there's a a big reason why uh, Miami, you know, as much as we talk about the refs, that you know, leaning towards the Lakers, Miami is the one actually winning the free throw battle. Is because of plays like that. They're forcing the issue, you know. No, Jimmy, so Jimmy's doing a good job of getting to his spots. He's he's making sure that he's within that like thirteen foot range, and he's getting to the hole, and then he's you know he's doing his his fadeaways and he said he's working in the mid range and that's, that's, those are his sweet spots, you know, and that's what he needs to do. I feel like if he were to have forced three point shots last night, which is, I mean, he, he can hit them, but it's not, it's not his forte, right? If he starts forcing that, then maybe the Lakers get back in that. Cause at one point, you know, deep into that fourth quarter, it was still a game, you know, the Lakers could have still won that despite Jimmy Butler's performance. And I feel like if he started chunking up threes and you could easily have fell into that being as tired as he was, cause man, you could see it, you know, he was exhausted, man. I, I remember texting you during the end of the game, and I was thinking, like, man, like Jimmy's Jimmy's dead, man. Like he's 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 on his he's on fumes, you know. And those are the times when you can easily like settle for the for for the three, you know, because it's so much work, you know, driving into the paint or backing somebody down into the paint. Those are the times when fatigue, and, and then at that point, you know, your mental your mental fatigue is is clouding your judgment, and you can easily fall for taking some dumb ill advised shots. We see it in the league all the time. Jimmy kept his composure, and despite the way that he looked, as gassed as he looked, he kept going to the hole. Yeah, and you know what? I know we're leading off with what happened to Miami, what's wrong with them injury-wise, but we can't, you know, just miss the point of the Lakers. Even before all those injuries happened, I mean, the Lakers clearly showed what they're about. I mean, they they washed a 12-point deficit you know, by the end of the first quarter and took the lead, you know, they, they were 
they had the momentum before we found out about the injuries. And I mean, they, they showed that they're the better team, right? Like at least top heavy wise. I mean, I think overall the Miami Heat might have a, a better top to bottom roster, but the Lakers are very top heavy and they they show that they're they're not just gonna have, you know, twelve point, fifteen point losses, although they did have a ten point one, which we'll talk about, you know, in a little bit. But Anthony Davis, this is what I'm trying to get at, is just Anthony Davis is dominating the Heat. Even with Bam in there, he got Bam into foul trouble early um, in that first game. And he's like sealing the paint. You know, he's just he's able to put his body back, his back back and literally put his arms out and just be in the uh, restricted area with like one move. And the Heat cannot guard him, man. They're like trying to put Jay Crowder on him. You know, they try to put Solomon Hill on him. I don't know what was going on there, but they tried it. And the Lakers just look like the juggernaut that the Clippers thought they were. I'm sorry for the the random stray shot, right. but that's that was dominant performance to me. And you know, I I said against the Nuggets that man, the Lakers just look like the best team in the NBA. You know, aesthetically, and and they played like it last night or last night, uh, game one, game three, not a great performance by any means. Um, but in terms of uh, Finals MVP, I think this is a lot closer now, especially with the the Jimmy Butler game. Um, and I think I know where you're going, and you might be surprised where I'm going. But as of right now, three games in, uh, who's your finals MVP? Uh, man, I'm still torn between LeBron and AD on it. Um, I think it's close between the two of them. And I think depending on who, well, what happens next, though, right? I guess if you were asking me what up to this point um, – it's still LeBron to me. LeBron's finals MVP for me right now. Okay. This is what I'll say. Um, I think it was Anthony Davis, but game three, he looked – he he didn't – in shooting-wise, he didn't look bad, but engagement-wise because, you know, he was in foul trouble for most of the game, uh, and he had a, a decent amount of turn- turnovers. I mean, LeBron had eight, but Anthony Davis had five, and he only he only played 32 minutes. So compared to LeBron's 39, so obviously LeBron's going to have more opportunity to turn the ball over, but that probably ruined the finals MVP for Davis unless he just, just goes on like a, a two or three game run of like, you know, 30, 10 performances. I, I think it's also adding on to, I know people don't want to talk about this, but the fact that the media is pushing for LeBron to win the MVP, I don't think that's going to help his right. case. Because I know... And and then you know what? Even that the, the thing is, LeBron doesn't need us to prop him up. I think that he's just fine. But the media just has this tendency to to put it in overdrive and like push the agenda of of making LeBron this and that. We he does not need that. He's one of the greatest of players of all time. But you see it, and I think that's what's going to get LeBron James another Finals MVP along with him just having a a, a darn great series for a thirty five year old. Honestly, it's just. That last game was terrible on his part. I mean, in the fourth quarter, he looked out of sorts. He had eight turnovers overall. And then the whole stepping off the court thing, you know, before the game was over, it's just like that was beneath him. Um, But, yeah, I I have AD. 
No, look, we can say what we want about LeBron, but poor sportsmanship is not necessarily his his realm of expertise. I don't think he's a terrible sport, but I think I think he had a you know he had a bad moment there, and we can't ignore that. But yeah, I don't think that's who he is as a player or as a person. But he he definitely, I mean, I couldn't believe that they lost by ten against a team that is pretty much a void of you know, multiple great players on their team. I mean, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson are having a horrible series so far. Um, and Jimmy Butler, hey, okay, this is what I'll say. This is what's going to sound crazy. Kelly Olenek was the second best heat on the floor in game three. You laugh all you want, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. He like in that fourth quarter when he ran up from behind LeBron and stripped him. <laughs> Uh, I was <laughs> funny because I was like, man, like Kelly Olenek is out here really putting in work on the Lakers. <laughs> like, like, what in the world's going on? <laughs> and they were reluctant. Um, they Spoh was reluctant to play him in game one and said they had like Solomon Hill out there and stuff. I was like, dude, just play Kelly. I mean, at least he can stretch the floor. He's actually hitting his three-point shots. Went three for five. You know, meanwhile, Tyler Hero's two for seven. Duncan Robinson's three for ten. Like, I, I mean, I mean, look, Jimmy has 40. And then who who has – then we got Kelly Olenek with 17 and Tyler Hero with 17. But to get that 17 from Olenek is huge. I mean, that, that 17 probably feels like 25 or 30 to him. But, but you know, I, I digress – <laughs> I don't want to go too much on the Kelly Olenek train, but man, the Lakers are obviously the better team here right now. You know, as we mentioned, you know, uh, Bam Adebayo, it seems like he might play, but they haven't necessarily put him, you know, that he is playing. But this this series changes if he plays. I'm not sitting here and saying, because, you know, I'm the one that had the heat in seven. So, you know, you know where I stand. I haven't changed my pick because I, I really don't feel bad about my pick when – you know, two-fifths of your starting lineup gets derailed by injury, it's kind of like, well, it's not really because of, you know, poor play or anything. So I'll stick by my seven. I mean, them winning that that game three, I mean, that that put life in them, and they still got Bam coming back. But, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on the Lakers? I mean, because I, I I think we're, we're disrespecting them by talking about, you know, the Heat so much. I mean, they, they deserve praise by – by most of their play this series. I think because we're talking about game three mostly, you know, I think that's probably why the conversation has been so lopsided because, because, you know, that game three, almost all the praise needed to go to one person only to, to Jimmy, well, mostly to Jimmy Butler. But as far as the Lakers go, I, you know, I, I think uh, Anthony Davis, dude, you, you can't come out and have a five rebound 15 point game in the finals. Um, you know, you do, you got to do more zero blocks. You in, and all of that damage that Jimmy was doing is in the paint and you have zero blocks. Um, you have, you, you know, you have to step up. And I think that's why I think I, I'm leaning more LeBron on the MVP race, just because of that, that game three performance by AD. It's just, it's just, it's just weak. Um, and yeah, he has some foul trouble, but, you know, 
you still gotta you're you're you know the best four in the league you still gotta be able to play with that like you have to know how to play with that regardless um that said i think the next game i just i could lebron's probably pretty pissed off as as shown by walking off the court before the game ended he's he he's not happy about the way that went down there's no reason they should lose by double digits to a team that's literally down you know to the reserves in one guy so that said i think they come out game four and and i could see a really lopsided win on the lakers you know i, I could see them smacking the heat pretty heavy um unless bam comes out and is 100 percent healthy and and balling other than that i just don't see i just i could see lebron coming out and really imposing his will next game so the main thing that's been killing the Lakers is, and it's, it's the heat defense, a little bit of it, but a lot of it's just like silly mistakes. The turnovers are making, you know, they're being really sloppy because when the, when LeBron's committing these turnovers, it's kind of boggles the brain, you know, because it's just like that guy's usually really sure of himself. And obviously one of the smartest players in the game and of all time, you know, when it comes to, you know, creating plays and keeping the ball in play in general. And, you know, some of that is the heat and, you know, getting AD in trouble. But AD also, there was a, I think it's when he got his uh, third foul in the first half. There was a, I think it was a moving screen, I believe. And it was just like a very silly foul because it's like, did, why did you even go for that? Like, you're the, you're like one of the bigger dudes on the court. Like, you don't need to just to set one of those weak screens. Like, either commit or you don't. And it's just mental mistakes that they're making that keeps the Heat alive, really, because like we talked about, the Heat don't really have much in the talent department. And, and you know, Jimmy's having to, you know, go on these 40-point, you know, out outbursts. And it's just like, it's not really his game. You know, like we talked about before the series started in the preview, how he likes to get others involved. And then he starts turning up late. But it's like he has to do so much so it's really it should be a little bit easier for the Lakers uh, in terms of defense, and I don't know. I, I like you said, you know, you think they're going to come out and just mollywop the Heat in the next game. Um, I'm not sure. Sure, how I'm, I I I do think that there's a high chance the Lakers win, but I don't know if it's going to be as bad as you think it is. Because if they get Bam back, I think the Heat have a, obviously the momentum on their side and. I mean, man, taking out Bam just turns the Heat into from a respectful defense to a terrible defensive team without without Bam. Because Andre Godala, this is not 2015 anymore, 2016. He's he's nowhere near the defensive, you know, star that he was back in the day. Now he's just he's he's on reputation at this point, and on offense, it's just like what is he doing? Nothing significant. Oh, yeah. Right. It's so, I mean, Bam, he, to me, he's not the best player on the Heat, but without Bam, uh, they're not as diverse and um, complex, like defensively and even offensively, because he's another creator and he's coming into his own, like we, we've been talking about. But yeah, with Bam, I see it being close. I, I'm not, I mean, I had them in seven, so I don't necessarily want to say that they go out and get their ass beat or even just lose, but without Bam, it's hard to, it's, 
I mean, how are you going to do better than a 40-point game from we'll Divi? I mean, call it. Are you going to – do you see it 2-2 two, two after game four? Or do you see if it Bam plays, yes. I see it 2-2. Two, two. I mean, the Lakers yeah. I don't think are going to play as bad in terms of, like, turning the ball over and making stupid mistakes. But, I mean well, – You see, it's not even that. LeBron had eight turnovers, yeah. right? AD had five, and then no one else had more than one. Well, Rondo had two. Other than that, everybody else had either one or zero. But it's bec- they're I mean, not really – well, the thing is, I, I guess we should say, is because, you know, in the playmaking department, it's literally really just AD, LeBron, and Rondo in spots. Other than that, these other guys, they're just shooting. So it's like it's understandable for them not to have it because they're, they're, they're there to j- either shoot or on the cut, LeBron's going to pass it to you. Because, you know, we've talked about the the Lakers really don't have that third option in terms of, like, hey, go out and get yours. You know, they don't have, like, a Lou Williams or anything. But, no, yeah, but when LeBron has eight turnovers, I mean, I know he he holds the ball a long time and whatnot, but that's not him. You know, that's like a Westbrook thing. That's not what he does. You know, he's not going right. to – for right. as much as people talk about, oh, LeBron shrunk in the moment, this and that, that yeah, they may be like, oh, he missed a free throw or he he missed a shot, but his passing is like he has some of the the tightest passes in the league in terms of like, no, nah, you're not going to be able to get that or or whatever. I mean, yeah, I I, I know there, I'm harping on the turnovers, but it's really a mental game with the Lakers. I don't think it's anything else but mental game. What's that? The, the but the eight turnovers are the eight turnovers were a big part of the of of what the game ended up being. You know, I mean, between that and Going one for five from three for LeBron, I mean, those, those kind of things in a, in a close match, you know, in a close game, which it was, I mean, until the end, those those decide, you know, those decide finals games, and and in some cases they decide they, they decide final series. You know, you have to tighten it up if you're LeBron, right? Of course, and. I just I, I feel I, I guess to me that's the reason why they lost that game. I mean, there's other there's other reasons, but that's what sticks to me the most is it's just I don't understand like how they could be so careless. And you know, because especially after LeBron LeBron know. made those comments about um not letting up. Oh, I remember 2011, this and that, and then look what happens, game three. Like even, right, all of this, the job isn't done. Yeah, more to be done. And and I, and I see his but, frustrations while he walked uh, off yeah. the court, but still, you know, can't do that. Yeah, and I and that, let's not not say you know Le, LeBron obviously isn't single handedly the reason why they lost, right? Like Danny Green, who was signed for three and D, went out there and shot zero for six from three. So, you know, KCP. Or sorry, he's 0 for 6 from the field for Danny Green, 0 for 4. Uh, from, oh, those were the, from, from the three. Uh, KCP shot 1 for 5 on field goals. It's just, you know, it's it, it was a team effort for the loss there. You would think on a night that you get 19 from Morris and 19 from Kuzma that you're probably, you know, and you're getting some decent production there. You're thinking that that puts you in a good spot. And then, of course, AD doesn't perform. And then you don't get really hardly anything from your other three starters outside of LeBron and AD. It's just, it's just not a good formula for success, you know. So with the foul trouble on AD, you know, 
it's it leads to him being passive on defense naturally, right? Like that's, that's what usually happens, especially big men, because they're the ones that are going to be involved in so many switches and looks at the rim. He became passive because obviously he doesn't want to foul out. But the first half was mostly him, you know, just trying like staying out of the play defensively. And then when he did, when he was in the play, he he caught the fouls and and that's what opened up the game to me because. Most of these blowouts are because of ADs established himself down low. That's what most of these blowouts mm-hmm. come from because the Heat literally have no one to answer for him. And they somehow got him into foul trouble, you know, because they've been throwing everything in the kitchen sink at him, but it hasn't worked. You know, Anthony Davis has seen so many players like try to guard him and it's not working at all, but he just happened to get in foul trouble. So the thing is, can they do that again? You know, if they can do that again, I can see another win. And especially with Bam, I mean, Bam can create some up, uh, create stuff from up top, forcing AD to guard him up there. I mean, I I think it's well within the realm of possibility for that to happen. But to me, the reason LeBron, of course, is the main headline because he actually accepted like, hey, that's uh, unacceptable. They turnovers and I and I take you know full responsibility. But really, I think AD is like point or uh, reason 1A or 1B, you know, why why they lost. Because him being in foul trouble for most of the game is what put the Lakers in such a compromising position. Because, yes, offense is great, but I think defensively is the reason why they're, you know, winning this series. That's what they do mm-hmm. with AD anyways. Yeah, they, they, they hang their hat on their defense, and they just let the offense come from LeBron and from AD. So... When they can't when they can't perform defensively, that that's really an issue. I mean, that one of the another stat that I saw, uh, and I'm sure you've seen this because it's been all over the place, about uh, LeBron having never been outperformed in the three major statistical categories, right? Like points, rebounds, and assists. This is the first time that anybody <clears throat> outdid him in all three categories uh, in an NBA final game. Which is, I mean, props to Jimmy for that, you know. And maybe that kind of tells you kind of a little bit how LeBron's game went too. Yeah, I mean, and Jimmy, I mean, LeBron guarded him a a great amount of the game. And, I mean, Jimmy was able to drop 40 once again, as we said, with no three-point shots. I believe what he put up, 12 or 13 assists, was it? And 10 rebounds? I mean, mean, I've never looked at Jimmy as – as a creator like that. And it, I mean, he's doing it because he absolutely has to, but yeah, I mean, LeBron is guarding him and which is honestly amazing that he's trying to guard Jimmy Butler at 35 years old, but I don't know how much more we'll see of that after this game. You know, I, I don't, I don't think he'll be guarding him as much. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think it's necessary. What's that? Well, I mean, it didn't work, no. so why, why, why exert it? the energy that you need on the other side of the ball, especially at that age? You know, I don't I don't think it's necessary. That said, you know, it, it's a two it's a two way sword there, obviously, because if Jimmy's having to work on defense because, you know, he's going to pick up the LeBron on, on, on almost every chance he can. You know, if he's having to work on defense and he's having to work against the LeBron offense, you know, that's a big difference from having to work on KCP or having to work on Danny right. Green, you know, like. I'm sure he'd much rather work on guys than have to have to deal with LeBron on both ends of the court. 
you know, that's definitely a two-way sword. And especially if AD's performing to where he needs to be, then, you know, maybe you let those two wash, you know, and then you let AD be the difference in the game. Yeah. Um, one one main takeaway, I think, uh, in terms of Miami defense, it's really just not letting the Lakers get on transition because I think that's where they're the most dangerous and most of that is from LeBron because even at – once again, we keep talking about his age, but it's just amazing. Even at 35 years of age, he's still like a runaway freight train and fast breaks. He may not be dunking the same anymore, but he's still getting to the rim. He's still finishing or he's – or. Off, more often than not, he's trading for others because, I mean, the Lakers don't have many great shooters, but they still have some adequate three-point shooters to throw. Um, but I think that's the main thing. Just stop letting them get out in transition because we want to talk about the Lakers turnovers. I mean, the Heats have had some really stupid turnovers, and Jimmy Butler's in that as well. Ill-advised passes, uh, you know. Lazy passes where it's just like uh, telegraphed, like the defense can just telegraph where it's going. You know, it's it's not necessarily uh, all LeBron having or the Lakers having bad turnovers. The, the Lakers can actually afford the luxury of turning the ball over and still winning the game. The Heat, I mean, they're going to play themselves out of the series if they get sloppy because in game three, there was plenty of lapses in judgment that I saw from them. And really, like you said, until the final minutes, it was it was still anyone's game, and it's be- no, yeah. I mean, you and I were texting, we were talking about it, and you know, of course, we were both talking about how we were hoping, you know, that the Heat would win the game because really mostly because of the way that Jimmy was performing, you know, right? Um, it, it would would have felt horrible to watch that be you know a wasted effort in a losing performance. So I know both of us were wanting the Heat to win as we were watching the game, but definitely at no point up until there was maybe like two minutes left, a minute 45 left, did it feel like it was done, you know? It, it you know, late into that fourth quarter, it still felt very much in reach. And and, uh, and to be honest, I almost expected them to come to, to, to make a run and, and make it close, you know? But Kelly Olynyk's out there running around, ripping LeBron from behind, so... That's if that's how you're gonna play the end of the game, then you're gonna walk off. You're gonna walk off the court with your loss. I'm telling you what, though, man. If if the Heat need another Kelly Olynyk game, it's over. They, they, the Heat desperately need Bam to come back. And uh, you know, we were reading before we started recording, and Bam was saying, "I haven't missed you know a game since my rookie season." You know, and he's and you know he's missed the the last two, or at least yeah, the last two two and a half. So for him to come back, I mean. Man, I just this brings a whole new dimension to this series because even without me saying I got him in seven, like I I still <laughs> I still respect the Heat Heat's journey enough. Like yeah, Miami, uh, the Indiana Pacers, who cares? But to defeat the Bucks, defeat the Celtics, when when the Celtics are definitely a more talented team, the Heat uh, the Bucks off Giannis alone are the more talented team, you know. And and for their journey to get here, I I respect them. Usually, I'm like the Eastern Conference is weak, but uh, this year and last year, the Eastern Conference is is well above what it used to be. You know, when the Paul George Pacers or the the Mellow Knicks, like it's a more respectable group where I can actually see some of the aforementioned teams like making the finals next year. You know, and we didn't even mention in the Raptors right. and what nope. they put up. What's that? Miami definitely is not. 
I said, and Miami's definitely overachieving right now, right? Like when, and I know, I know, I'm probably not the only one to think this, but when the Jimmy Butler to Miami decision was made in the summer, I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, Jimmy's not about winning; he just wants to go live that, you know, that Miami life," you know, because it didn't seem like it was a team that was set up to 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 win now, right? Like, not the kind of team that you land in free agency to go and and think, you know, assume that he was the missing piece to get him to where they could, you know, be contending for championships. Like I, I, me personally, I definitely didn't think that that was the case in Miami. Maybe, maybe people closer to the team felt that way, but I, you know, I definitely felt like there was, he was going to be a piece there. Sure. But they were far from, from competing for titles. And then, I mean, here we are a few months later, they're, you know, yeah, they're down, but it's, it's two one. And it's very much a series that said, I don't, you know, I don't, Bam comes back. If Bam comes back, he's not going to be 100. percent I just, I, I don't see them winning the next game. And if they go down three-one, even if Bam is healthy for what would be the fifth game, you know, maybe it's too late by then. You know, like going down three-one against LeBron, probably not, not a good place to be. Yeah, with Bam, I mean, at this point, you just need his presence down low. I know that sounds so cliche, but it's, I mean, they. The Heat have no answer for Davis, and Bam is the closest answer they that they can get. And even if he's not, you know, scoring twenty five, grabbing twelve boards, and getting three blocks, you know, I don't want to put a, a number of what he needs to get. But just for him to be there, be the presence, kind of be some insurance for Jimmy when Jimmy needs to get out, you know, get off the court for just a couple minutes. It didn't seem like Jimmy had any rest, you know, last game. I mean, I haven't even looked at like how long he played. I mean, he he played forty four minutes and fifty one seconds. Forty five, basically. Yeah. Golly. So he was off the court for three minutes. <laughs> My man. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Jimmy Butler just needs insurance, so he doesn't get hurt. Because the way that that Jimmy Butler is carrying this team, he's I don't I'm knock on wood, but he's likely to be the next one to to you know tear something or get something sore. Like I mean. These are just unrealistic expectations for a player that is not like a 25 point per game score night to night. You know, it's just, it, he's just a winner. The thing is, a lot of those points, man, like aside from the minutes, but a lot of those points, they came at a price, bro. Cause, bro, Rondo Whoa. came out, Molly Wapped him on one. Flagrant in, Ron had in a this day and age. Yeah, LeBron could have been a flagrant one at least. And of course, LeBron's punk ass is complaining that he got elbowed on it, and it was like, dude, come on, man. But but he's like those points; they're like they're not coming cheap, bro. Those, those no. forty points in the paint, aside from the minutes, he's getting beat down in the paint every time he goes down there. It's either Rondo comes in with a hard foul, KCP comes in with a hard foul. You know, somebody is 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 punishing him for going into the paint every time he does. So aside from the minutes, like I said, it it's just not like you said. It's not a successful formula for for for. It's not sustainable for sure, you know, because it's just it's just too much abuse. And Jimmy's a dog, and he's gonna fight through it. But you know, it's just not it's just not where it's not what you want to have to depend on. And you can't depend on it. I mean, one person said this, and right when they said this, I was like, well, I hope this is not the same scenario. They were like, this is Jimmy Butler's Allen Iverson game against the Lakers. I was like, yeah, well, he only won one game that series. So I hope it's not that. I hope, <laughs> I hope you know, they can actually 
What's that? That's, that's exactly what it feels like, though. Yeah, it, it it ultimately might be that, but with Bam in the in the picture, I don't see it being that. I mean, you got a lot of hopes on that. I mean, man. look, it's not like I bet money or anything, so I don't really care ultimately. But I just i I really believe in this Heat team, and I'm not even saying even if they don't win, if they just go down in six or seven, that would be astonishing. And this sounds like you know everyone gets a trophy, but it's just true because. They weren't even supposed to win that game. They're playing with house money. I feel like we've I've been saying that a lot this year, especially in the bubble, but it's true. And uh the Lakers, you know, I I, I said I wasn't gonna act like this when I got on the pod, but we can't ignore it. I mean, the Lakers have run into a lot of fortunate situations this year. Um but the Lakers can only control what they can control. It's not like they're, you know, the puppeteers and they're making all these injuries happen, but it's just kind of, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the ratings for the finals being down. And I think there's a lot of things that are going on. I mean, it is COVID. It's a pandemic going on right now. I think there's more important things in sports. So that could be it. Also, the bubble is not necessarily for the casual fan, the best way to watch sports. I mean, even for me, I'm a hardcore fan. I hate the the digital fan experience or whatever. I think it's very corny and it's it's worthless to me, except for seeing like celebrities on it. Other than that, I think it's pretty worthless. Yeah. So the I whole mean, mood around the finals is just is much. dark to me. N- none of that bothers me as much as listening to Chris Weber does. Oh, we're past that. I, I that was that was one of the worst experiences trying to hear him out on the last couple Nuggets games, Nuggets Lakers games. Just the diary of the mouth stuff he was saying. But yeah, man, the Lakers, the Lakers are. <laughs> Yeah, I watched most of them on mute, but I forgot who I was watching one of them with. And, you know, I don't, when people are over, I don't watch the games on mute because I think that's weird for most people. So I, I have it on. But, but no, I mean, the Lakers are only yeah. doing what they got to do. You know, it's not their fault that this has happened, but this is easily the worst team uh, LeBron has ever faced in the finals. Easily. Yeah, well, this is also the first time he's playing against the East, so. <laughs> Ironically. So how did the West how did the West <laughs> feel when they had to play no, like, the Cavs were I mean the Cavs were really bad in 07, but other than that, they weren't that terrible. Except for 2015 when everyone got hurt. But yeah. It, and LeBron is pretty much is the NBA Finals at this point. They should name the NBA Finals MVP after him because he's been there what, ten times? He's been yeah, there. but how many has he won? That's fine, but he's been there so many times. He might he might as well be the trophy. Yeah, no one cares about how many you win, how many you show up to. They care about how many you win. That's fine. But no, I I, I don't know. I just feel like they want Well, it's like listen, you show up to 82 games, right? They don't care about how many you showed up to, they care about how many you won. Okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man, win percentage. That's how your ranking is set up, buddy. I just don't want to pile on. I just feel like we're talking about the Heat so much. I, I guess it's just because we're so surprised that they won in that fashion in the Jimmy Butler game. No, but, right. I, I had, I had, like I said, I had Lakers in six. And then as soon as the injuries started coming through, I was like, oh, this is. This it's is a wrap. Like, this is a wrap. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't really, honestly, like, 
I kind of had a feeling maybe they go out and they win one, like maybe win a close one. Um, but I didn't expect that kind of performance from, from anyone, you know, even Jimmy, you know. And then, of course, it being a double-digit win. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big game, right? Like, I think it's something you hang your hat on. If, if the season ends in, in, in a finals loss for, for Jimmy and the Heat, you hang your hat on that win, you know? I mean, you, you, you did what you had to do, and you'll always know that, you know, that things might have been different had you been healthy. And right? that's why you – This is like what we talk about last – No, go ahead. It's like when we talk about last – you know, with, with Toronto and, you know, yeah, they're champions, right? But, but come on, let's face it. Golden State knows that they've been healthy. That's their ring to win. Right. And that's what keeps the drive to – for what I'm saying, no matter what happens, they should bring it back and obviously shore up some spots. But I really, with the Drogic thing, I don't know when he'll be he'll be ready to go because we still don't know when the season's going to start. I just read a I read a report where Silver's still aiming for for January, but he also said it's possible that it's going to be later than January. So we still don't know when Drogic's coming back. We know he was looking for a big contract, which he earned. However, now I think it'll be easier for the Heat to keep them, even if it's not on a multi-year deal, which is probably they'd rather probably have just the you know the one year. But I really hope they find a way to bring it back. I mean, I think three to four months ago, or no, before like five or six months ago, they would have traded for Chris Paul if if the chance came. Now I don't know how. I don't I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Because you know what would happen if they traded for Chris Paul. They would have to get rid of Tyler Hero or some other pieces. I don't think that happens anymore. I, I think uh, – No, yeah, I think – I mean, maybe Kendrick Nunn has lost some value here recently, but everybody else has been building on their value. Yep. But I think next year's playoffs will – you know, obviously there's a lot, there's a lot to – happen between now and then but next next season it looks promising like it looks like it's going to be competitive and balanced and you know like if you're looking at the east since we're talking about the heat i mean like you you were mentioning earlier milwaukee obviously you expect them to to contend boston looks like they're trending in the correct direction you know my miami you know should be back in the mix you know toronto looks like they're literally a piece away from being right back where they were last year so that and you know, and then that's obviously there's still hopefuls like Philadelphia who just you know who got their coach right. And we can talk a little bit about that. You know, we got about ten fifteen minutes left, and I definitely want to talk about some of the coaching vacancies that we got going into next season and kind of how that looks too. But there, the the East is going to be competitive. It's going to be fun to watch. At least the top half of it's going to be pretty pretty competitive and pretty tight. And then and then the West. I mean, it's going to be what it always is, right? Like one through eight. It'll be it'll be a, it'll be a dogfight no matter how you go, but let's let's since we were already on that point, let's go ahead and talk about coaching vacancies. Let's talk about the the coaches' uh, musical chairs. We can start with Philly since they already signed their man, right? Uh, I'm just because I am curious about what you think about that. All right, so we've we've been talking about it, and from X's and O's standpoint, I don't like it. Um, however, from just like a player's coach, like voice, I kind of like it because um, I do think there is some disconnect with Simmons and, and Bede, even though a lot of people, mostly Philly fans, want to just point out, oh, well, they interacted on social media, so they really like each other. Well, guess what? 
Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant took a fake happy photo together. That doesn't mean they like each other. It's called PR, okay? That's what that is. It's obvious that there's a disconnect there, and maybe Rivers can help mend that, but at the same time, Rivers couldn't help mend uh, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, you know? Uh, although I do think the his voice is stronger than Brett Brown's, and yes, the championship was a long time ago, but he has a championship ring, so that does um, harbor some respect, you know? You, you do got to listen to that to a point. Um but yeah, I mean, I really, I really wanted D'Antoni to get this job, and it looked like it was D'Antoni's job until Rivers just out of nowhere got on the market. So that can, that kind of, I don't want to say mess it up for D'Antoni because there's still other jobs that we're going to talk about, which I think he'll have a, a perfect fit for. Um, but yeah, this roster uh, for Doc Rivers, I don't know. Um, so there was a there was a uh, reporter had to ask Doc Rivers about you know, can how Horford start on this team. And he's pretty much just like, we're going to test it out to see who's the best fit, which doesn't necessarily say much for Horford. Uh, but it also doesn't condemn him either, which is why Doc Rivers is so smart because in, in how he um, communicates, which also is another big thing um, for Philadelphia. I think, I think that'll help uh, communications with the players. Cause once again, we've talked about this, uh, Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick, on JJ Reddick's pod, we're discussing, you know, practices and, you know, film sessions where it was pretty much silent. Doc Rivers is not going to do that. He's going to express, make his point. Yes, he's a player's coach, but at the same time, he's uh, also one of the more expressive coaches in the league when it comes to talking about his players and bigging up his players, which I, I think Philly needs right now because I think the morale is low and and they need someone, a positive voice, but at the same time, a, a loud voice in there. But yeah, that's what I think. Uh, pretty much drawn out way of saying, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not a big fan, but it's I see why. I also ask you, force you off the fence there. Yeah. What, you know, which is it? Like, you, you say you didn't like it, the X's and O, but you like the, yeah. the other stuff. Ultimately, the intangible ultimately I don't like so, it. What do you Ultimately, I don't like it. You don't but like I'm it. not saying it's a bad. I don't think it's a bad choice for either team because I can see why you would want to go to Philly. But, and for Philly, I can see why you got Doc because, you know, the championship, the respect that he, you know, attracts across the league. But I just don't think he's a fit there, man. I really don't. All right. So I'm actually really, really certain of how I feel about this. I think it's a terrible fit. Um, I I think that. Philly's butchering their opportunity once again. And don't get me wrong, I am not a big D'Antoni guy. Uh, you know this. I have never been a big D'Antoni guy. And it's funny because the reasons why I'm not a D'Antoni guy is probably the reasons why I should be a Doc guy, right, because of the proven success. But no, man, Doc is not the guy for this team, bro, because – Look, I get team chemistry is important, right? And those guys getting along is is something that needs to happen if they're going to have any kind of success. I understand all of that, but above that, they they need to def- they need to find a way to systematically make those pieces of that puzzle fit. And Doc is not the guy to do that, man. Doc is not the kind of guy to come in and figure out, you know, what the system is going to be where. Embiid and Simmons function 
in, a, in an optimal way together on the court. And then, and then that's still, you know, you mentioned Horford. That, you know, there's still other pieces that you got to find a way to fit in there. And, man, Stock's just not the guy, man. I'm sorry, but the guy that hosts six practices of the year is not the guy that's going to go out there and figure out your system, especially in, in – in, and that's, to me, their biggest concern. If you're Philly, that's your biggest thing is, like, I got all these puzzle pieces, but they haven't fit yet, and I need to hire somebody that can make it work, and I don't think Doc is the guy, man. And as much as it pains me to say it, I think D'Antoni would have been a better fit. So to me, personally, not not a good not a good hire for if I'm if if you're Philly. That said, I know I know a lot of people are gonna disagree with me because for some reason Doc has got all this clout from you know a ring that he won over a decade ago. Dude, get out of here, man. Like that that team that he won that ring on was so stacked defensively. <clears throat> and he hasn't had any success since. And he's had some quality rosters, man, including this year. Probably the deepest roster in the league. And then you go out there and your team looked like crap in the first round because they almost, you know, went out there and laid a, you know, an egg against the Mavs. And then they definitely looked terrible in the second round getting knocked out. Nah, man. You can't. I'm sorry. You're not selling me on Doc. I'm, I'm not buying. Okay. Well, off of Doc, uh, let's stick with D'Antoni since we did mention him. Um, so as you know, you know, doesn't look like he's long for Houston. He's gone, right? He's already he's already off. Reported he's not yeah. staying. We already knew that was going to happen. So the other the other team that I find intriguing, uh, a young up and coming team, which I think would would be very fun for D'Antoni, but also. Um, for the Pelicans, and that's that's the Antonian Pelicans, you know, connecting together, finding a way to to make Zion even more dangerous. Um, and I think it, with that, I think you know you need to involve Zion more in creating, um, push him in that sense. And and you know, it's I think it's it would be great for Zion to experience that you know so early in his career. And then also just putting Brandon Ingram another tier above what he was, which was an all-star, um, and just finding more ways for him to get efficient offense because I think Brandon Ingram, yeah, he scored a lot of points, but it wasn't necessarily efficient. You know, D'Antoni will find a way for you to, to get better looks, you know. And the thing about D'Antoni, you know, he spent the last couple of years with Harden playing a very methodical, slower brand of basketball that we're used to. I think with the Pelicans, he it from from yeah from what from from you know seven seconds or less kind of stuff to dribble 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 dribble. Either I'm gonna kick out to Eric Gordon or PJ Tucker in the corner, or I'm gonna shoot this three, you know. And now it's someone like Zion, and he's one of the most polar polarizing players in the game, and he he hasn't even played like a full season yet. And I think using that just athletic horse built to the man. I mean, that guy is huge and finding a way, you know, to implement <laughs> a new offense on his broad shoulders, I think would be a fun uh, project for D'Antoni. And also, yes, they want to win, but it's not as pressure filled as a Houston job. And also the front office, you know, M- Maury's awesome and everything, but the front office is, 
they collected some pieces rather than giving them away. They collected some pieces, you know, draft picks and such assets. So D'Antoni has some, some, some things to work with here. It's not like he's going in with a strapped roster and like pretty much this is what you got. This is what you got to work with. So that, that is, I think the most intriguing, um, coach, uh, vacancy right now. Vacant spot. No, I actually really like, we, we've talked about this too. I really like that fit, uh, D'Antoni with, with the penalty. Uh, I mean, and I, and I know you, you're talking a lot about Zion and, and rightfully so, right? He's top of the league, but D'Antoni, I think, makes the biggest difference for players like Lonzo Ball, uh, Drew Holiday, who's obviously already, you know, he, he's a proven commodity, but guys like that and obviously, you know, Brandon Ingram, that goes left unsaid. You know, guys like JJ Redick that would benefit from the ball movement. You know, a lot of a lot of pieces on that roster that would really benefit from having a structured offense um, for sure. And especially if you're gonna if you're gonna run and gun, right? If we're gonna call it that, because I think Lonzo's perfectly capable of running those fast breaks. And if your if your options are oop to Zion or oop to Ingram. You know, or corner three by Redick. I mean, fuck, that's pretty. That's pretty, pretty sweet offense. You know, if 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 you want to look at it, you know, from that angle, I think they have the potential. Um, and I think I think that would be a great fit. I think D'Antoni to to Pelly, I'd like to see that. Hopefully, it can happen. I don't know. I don't know what the the money situation is because that's that's you know also a factor as we're going to talk about Houston here. You know, with their their they seem like they're kind of strapped on cash, not wanting to spend a lot of money for a coach. Where do you think they go? Well, the first report, like rumors, have been Sam Cassell, you know, because in terms of price, I mean, he's a he'll be a first time head coach, so obviously that doesn't really, you know, demand a lot of uh, command a lot of money, you know. So, and he's not like he's a huge name either. So, yeah, I think that's a safe choice. I don't know if it's the best choice. I think it's a safe choice. Uh, I don't know about this roster. Maybe like a younger, unproven roster. He's unproven. Yeah, but like I said, I think Tyronn Lue should be the coach. But I mean, he could probably be the coach of the Clippers. I, I don't. I mean, I mean, someone said Van Gundy. You know, I already said how I feel about him. I'm kind of tired of talking about him, but. I really think it's going to end up being Sam Cassell because this the owner of the team for Tita is just strapped for cash and he's like, like publicly expressed, you know, his, his, you know, not being pleased with how much Harden and Westbrook are being paid. So if he's, he doesn't like that, then he's not trying to pay like five or six mil for a quality head coach. I really think it's just end up being Sam Cassell. I don't yeah. think there's much to it than that. I mean, but and that's not to dis, uh, disparage uh, Sam Cassell because I I really want him to get a job, you know. It was like when Brian Shaw was the assistant for Phil Jackson for all those years and he finally got his chance. Now, he, he performed horribly with the Nuggets, you know. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, just give Sam Cassell the opportunity. Either he can do it or he can't, you know. I just want to see him get the job already. Yeah. I just hate that it was in this circumstance. I Yeah, and I don't like – I don't like – if four times can sell, right, you're going to take whatever job you can get because you're just trying to get your foot in the door into the head coach positions. 
But man, that's a shitty job to step into, don't you think? Okay, so from a talent aspect, no. But just from the the environment of the team, uh, I think you know, being a head coach for that owner, I don't think he puts you in the best positions to win. Uh, Darren Morey, I mean, he wants the team to win, but he's just the the last couple of moves that he made were kind of like head scratchers, especially trading for Westbrook and giving up all that. That was definitely it. Usually with Maury, I'm like, okay, I can see where he was going there, even though he went against the grain. But, uh, yeah, with Sam Cassell, ultimately, it's a good job because you have James Harden, and James Harden will at least lead you to 50 wins, which guarantees you, you know, a job. And I, if they go with Sam Cassell, you can't honestly expect him to, like, win a championship in his first couple of years, no matter the case. That's where I was going to go next with that. Um, because the way that I grade coaching jobs, uh, or at least like coaching vacancies and, as, and, and are they good jobs or not is I, I kind of like three prong it, right. Is their talent on the team then is, and then, and then, and then it's the next part is, 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 uh, you know, goes hand in hand. What are the expectations and how realistic are they? Like how realistically achievable are they? Um, and obviously they check off the, the, the check on talent because Harden is there. And as much as it pains me, Westbrook is still, you know, a former MVP, right? So you got two former MVPs on, on the roster. You got to, you got to check off talent. Um, and, but then, then the next part is kind of where it goes south for me with Houston, right? Because it's what, what are the expectations and are they realistically achievable? Right. And so if you're a smart basketball person, you're saying, you know, they, they need to make a conference final, you know? Now, if you're the Rockets organization, it's championship or bust. That's how they look at it because they feel that they've spent the money. They feel like they got the roster. They feel like they need to be, you know, it's championship or bust for them. And if that's the expectation that the organization places on you, how achievable is it? How realistically achievable is it? I don't I don't see how they get it done. I don't think that they're the first, second, or third best team in the conference. And if you're not even that, it's you know, you're hoping for injuries at that point to try and get, get it done. And you know that's just not that's no way to, to 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 go about your season. I just I don't think I think it's a job that regardless of who takes it or just about regardless of who takes it is set up for failure because of what the expectations are and the fact that I don't think they're achievable. Well, this is what I'll say about Cassell. As long as he's under contract, he won't be fired because we know Fertitta ain't gonna pay him to not play or pay him not to coach. So. Even even if he even if he's not performing up to their quote unquote standards, you know he ain't getting fired. He's just gonna see his contract out like D'Antoni. Uh, but yeah, I, that's why I was Cassell. I would have loved to see him with the team like the Thunder or someone like that, like with maybe like one budding star or one guy that yeah. that's just like a couple of seasons away from being like a legit player, and then he could groom them and teach them how to be like mm-hmm. pros. But man. Mm-hmm. To step into a team that has so many missing pieces and just a weird, like just the way they were built, it's just so bizarre. And then the ownership, like saying these things publicly to put your team in a bad position and your GM kind of also did the same thing, even though I, for different reasons, like like go beyond basketball or whatever. It feels really, but it feels really dysfunctional and it, like a situation that if I'm a head coach, I'm not looking to get into. 
Now, I understand Casello's – he just needs to get the foot in the door, right? He needs yeah. to get a head coaching job, and he probably doesn't like, care. Yeah, if it. the Knicks offered him and, one, he'd probably take it, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So if you're Sam Cassell, I mean, you take you take whatever you're going to get. But it's definitely not not a great place to start, or at least not in my opinion. No, but that's where we're at. And, you know, uh, once again, Sam Cassell has not accepted or been offered the job exactly. But that's – that's No. Take, ESPN's Tim McMahon has put it out there, and he's a pretty reliable source when it comes to, you know, NBA basketball, especially, you know, the Texas area. So yeah, I'll I'll I'm gonna put that you know in the back you know as like possible destinations for him. But uh, yeah, no, we uh, I think we've uh ran a little OT tonight, but you know, you know, a lot happened you know in the week since we've last uh, spoke, and we just wanted to talk about as much as we could. Uh, so of course we'll be back uh, next week. I just want to say before we get out of here, you know, I implore y'all to. Go out, rate us on um, Apple Podcasts, you know, give us a review. Let us know what we can do to be better. Tell us what we're doing, you know, well. You know, we like to build on each episode. You know, we try to better ourselves, you know. Uh, I just want y'all to know that we do have some special guests lined up, you know, for after the finals. I kind of wanted, for the most part, to keep it just me and Noe. Of course, we had Jabari on last week. For his uh, Lakers expertise, I thought, you know, that that helped us out immensely uh, discussing things that we honestly didn't know much about when it came to the Lakers. But, yeah, we have some special things planned for y'all. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, the ones who listen to this or download it, you know. But we want to keep doing uh, right by you. And, you know, we try to be professional as possible. Yeah, we drop occasional curse words, but we try to be on point. And we, you know, we do our studying and we look it up. We try not to go in here and just throw sh- stuff at the wall and call it spaghetti. Um, but yeah, Noe, do you have anything to say before we get out of here today? No, man, other than I hope the Heat find a way to make it competitive because I'd love to see a close series. And, you know, I'd hate for it to get lopsided. Yeah, well, and I had them in seven games, so that'd be nice for, for me not to look like a complete fool. But... <laughs> Yeah, um, it was good talking with you, Noe. And uh, this is, once again, it's Culture Surfing. Join the wave. Y'all have a nice night. See you next week.